Remember, Anu Anu means in keeping with something. So remember me in keeping with something, in keeping with the scriptures. So Lord Krishna says all the time, remember me. How should we remember? As he has revealed himself here or as found in the scriptures. That means the remembering of Lord also should not be something that is a figment of imagination, something I do out of my fancy. But the remembrance also should be done in keeping with what is revealed in the scriptures. How do we remember God? Adhyatmam, adibhutam, atidaivam. As we have been discussing, God alone is everything as has been discussed or revealed in the earlier verses. And that way, remember me. <coughs> It is not that you remember just his name, remember him. And as much as he is everything, he can be remembered in one way or the other. We can remembering him, remember him, as I said, as the one that I am interacting with, because he is the whole universe. So what I confront also is God. Of course, the one who confronts also is God, but what I confront is God. Or he is a creator, sustainer, destroyer. Or he is the one who, who rules the creation and therefore the one who is uh, responsible for the order. He is the one that, is, that supervises or presides over what we call the karma or all the actions. He presides over also the giving of the results. In this way, in various ways we can remember. <coughs> I can remember him as my own self. I can remember him as the one that is manifest as a creation. I can remember him as one who is before me with whom I am interacting. <coughs> I can remember him by his name also. Mahamanusmara Yudhyacha. And continue to do whatever you have to do. 
Really speaking, yudhyacha, that chakara and fight or end perform your duty. That means that performance of duty is secondary. The primary is anusmara, remembrance is primary. You, here we are asked to remember God while performing our duty is because otherwise it would be rather difficult to remember him in the beginning. <coughs> Just as they ask us to take a rosary in the hand and then count the beads and remember the God's name at every counting of the beads. So there is just an aid to remind me of what I am doing. Otherwise, perhaps it may be difficult, it may be difficult to focus my mind. Similarly also, until my mind has come to a point that I can remember him without any aid, this karma or activity also becomes an aid to remember God. Every action reminds me of who has uh, uh, by whose command, by whose desire I am performing this action, <coughs> by whose grace am I performing the action, for whose sake I am performing the action, thus every action can become an occasion to remember him. Either as the one by whose grace I am able to perform the action, who has given me the opportunity to perform action, who has given me the abilities to perform the action, in various ways, and thus I can remember him. So every occasion, Every encounter, every communication or interaction can become an occasion to remember God. That is why we are told that don't give up what you are doing. Because that itself will become an aid to remember Him. And if a time comes that I do not require any external aid, such as even activity, what happens is, as long as there is a lot of energy within, that energy always seeks its channel out in the form of activity. That's the reason why we do not say give up activities or renounce action or activities. It is not said. Continue to perform the activities and remember. Then when a time comes that the remembrance has become, you are so, so rooted in the remembrance that you do not require any external aid such as activity, fine, keep remembering him. Remembering is important, action is not important. But action gives me an opportunity to remember him. Action gives me an opportunity to also entertain that spirit of offering, the spirit of serving the Lord. Elsewhere, Lord Krishna says that may you worship this Lord through by your actions. The Lord who is, who is, the, who is the one that prompts all activities, one that pervades everywhere in the world, May you worship him through your action. So that way action becomes very convenient in, as a means of worshipping Lord, as a means of remembering also. But important is remembrance. <coughs> what does Lord ultimately want? Hey Arjuna, may you become one whose mind and buddhi, both of them, are offered to me. <coughs> Manas and buddhi. Manas or mind is the is the emotional or feeling faculty and buddhi or intellect is the thinking and knowing faculty. So let both of these faculties be centered upon me. So with my heart I, I love. So may you love me through your heart. That is offering my heart or mind. And may you think of me with your intellect. So slowly and slowly let your mind think of me. Give up other kinds of thinking. Hey, where did this come from and what is this and where is it going? Don't worry. Let your mind be focused on thinking about me. What is, how is God involved in this situation? When, he, when we say that he is the one that resides over all action, in what way? How am I enjoying his grace? And whatever. So, how is Adibhuta, Adideva, Adhyatma, how? So let your intellect be engaged in all the time inquiring and, and, and inquiring about him and trying to understand him. And let your heart be engaged in worshipping him. This is called offering him our mind and intellect, or our heart and our head. <coughs> this always, the beginning is always slow. In course of time it will happen that 
my heart only thinks of him, uh, only worships him, and the mind always, the intellect always thinks of him, then I am totally offered to him. Because what am I? I am nothing but my feelings and my thoughts, that's what I am. Really, who am I? Is nothing but my mind and intellect? So Lord Krishna says, offer your mind and offer your intellect. Elsewhere also it said, In the twelfth chapter also Lord Krishna says, May your heart be also in me and may your mind or intellect always think of me. <coughs> my mind always thinks of something. It thinks of that which is very important for it, which is very valuable to it. Let I become the most important or the most valuable one for you. I also love that which I look upon as most valuable. So if I become the most valuable thing in your life, then you will love me and you will think of me. <coughs> you will always want to know me. And thus, when my mind and intellect, both of them are centered upon Lord. You will reach me. There is no doubt about it. Because what you are is nothing but your mind and intellect. And when both of them are centered on Lord, when you are centered on the Lord, and therefore, you have reached him. But how to do that? How to remember him? So Lord Krishna says in the eighth verse, Abhyasa Yoga Yuktena Abhyasa Yoga Yuktena Chetasananya Gamina Chetasananya Gamina Paramam Purusham Divyam Yati Parthanu Chintayan Abhyasa Yoga Yuktena Chetasar Abhyasa Yoga Yuktena with the mind and or with the practice of yoga, abhyasa yoga. Abhyasa itself becomes yoga. What is abhyasa? Abhyasa means repeating something is called abhyasa. That's when you keep on repeating the same thing, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. That is called abhyasa of Om Namah Shivaya. So how do we focus our mind on Lord? Because the mind is restless, mind is unsteady. And we know that, and the reason why the mind is unsteady, mind is restless is because it has so many attachments and aversions. As a general rule, our mind will automatically go to that where its love is. The reason why we find it difficult to concentrate on our mind, either in meditation or in japa or such practices, is because mind does not find those things interesting. It doesn't get any joy out of it. And that's the reason why when we force the mind to repeat Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, when it gets a chance, runs away. Like a little child, we force him, come on, study, exam is coming, and so you are all on the shoulder of the child. And the fellow sits there for a while, sees that the mom is busy, runs away. Because his mind is in the play. He is not interested in study. Similarly also the mind is not interested in what I am doing. It is interested in thinking of things that it likes. And so, this practice of meditation, japa, etc. sometimes creates a lot of frustration and that's so I find that my mind is restless and I feel there is something wrong with me. And so very often the question is, Swamiji, how do concentrate how do you get concentration of mind? It is not that we have necessarily problem with concentration. Very often children also ask, How do you concentrate? He's studying geography and studying history and studying this. Swami, I don't seem to be able to remember these things. I said, uh, last night on a particular TV serial, did you watch that serial? He says, yeah. Then, what was that? Then he describes in great detail everything that was there. 
Sometimes I watch a movie for as long as two and a half hours and I will describe everything in detail. Same fellow who cannot repeat a sentence of geography is able to describe in detail everything that he saw in a movie. He has no difficulty in concentrating his mind on the movie because the mind was interested. And therefore we should remember that if we are not able to focus our mind on something, it is not because there is something inherently wrong with our mind. It is because the mind does not find any joy in the activity that we are asking to perform. <coughs> and that is the reason why they give us things like this puja, things to make it interesting. Even the everyday worship of an image also becomes a routine and mechanical sometimes. And therefore that also is done. So I start Vishnu Sahasanam and I finish it and in between I do everything, you know. But then, since now it has been memorized, therefore my mind keeps repeating it without having to pay attention. So these problems are there, mechanical. We do a lot of things mechanically also. The example is in Ahmedabad we have camel carts drawn by camels. In these camels, when they therefore pulling the, the uh, you know, therefore uh, for shipping or transportation of, of goods. So sometimes they transport from one point to another and a camel knows exactly what that road is. So this, the owner of the camel cart, what he does is, he has loaded the cart, puts his camel cart on the road, it starts, the fellow goes to sleep. And next morning the camel goes to the right place. And then he wakes up. Similarly also, we have performed certain activities so often that our mind, without any attention to be paid, our mind, one part of the mind automatically does it. So most of the time I have to ask, very often I have to ask the question, hey, did I take shower or not, you know? Because it is done without my attention. Certain things just get done without attention. I have to, I have to check up whether I took the shower or what, you know? So similarly also, so the chanting, the worship, puja, all of these things, because of doing it every day, sometimes become so routine that our mind does it without having to pay attention. And so uh, this mechanicalness, etc. is there. And that's the reason why we should make whatever we do interesting. So if you make it little, add some variety also, add some little thing in there so that you would like to do that's why in doing puja we had some chanting and we had some garlands and ornaments and things that the mind likes to do and likes to see. <coughs> Here, abhyasa, repeating, we were told that all the time remember me. How do you remember? By this yoga of abhyasa. By the practice of repeatedly remembering. <coughs> Chetasa, nanyagamina, by a mind that does not stray anywhere else. It is the nature of the mind to stray away from, it ob from its object of concentration. It is, it is natural, because as long as there are those likes and dislikes or attachments and aversions in the mind, so long the mind will run away. Bring it back. It's called Abhyasa and Vairagya. In the sixth chapter also, Lord Krishna referred Abhyasa into the Kaunte, Vairagya Chikrakyade. Here, Arjuna, what you require is abhyasa. That means repeatedly bringing a mind back to its object of concentration and vairagya. Developing a dispassion for that where the mind is running. So mind is running away because it has, it likes certain things. It loves certain things. It looks upon them as important or as valuable. So mind will like to think about things that are important for it. Or it will also think of the things that are obstacles to that important thing. So, Raga and Dvesha. So, we have to keep on educating our mind. Your mind, what is the importance of those things? Why do you want to think of the wealth? Why do you want to think of job? Why do you want to think of this? While you are doing this, why do you want to think of tomorrow? Why do you want to think of the past? Because it is, it is, it is concerned. So, we have to remove those concerns from the mind. Mind may have some fear, some insecurity, certain things at stake. And all of these we have to resolve by reminding the mind 
that all those things are important because of you, that wealth is important to me not because of wealth but because of myself. That even job or promotion also is important not because of that, because of myself. Anything is important to me not because of itself but because of myself. And therefore I am the most important one. That way we have to release the mind from its concerns about things and bring it back to to the self or to whatever we want to understand, we want to focus attention on. So abhyasa and vairagya. Vairagya means dispassion. Dispassion meaning freedom from raga and dvesha or attachment and aversion for the things. <coughs> so this is what, this is how Lord Krishna says. That means that we should have a certain time assigned in our daily routine for this practice of abhyasa yoga for engaging our mind into repeating, let us say, whatever we like, God's name or some chant. This should become a daily routine. Even if we encounter difficulties with the mind, we should still do that. In course of time, the mind will discover a certain interest in, in, in repeating that name. When it, when it starts getting a certain amount of pleasure out of it. And that's the reason why they recommend that it's not that you just repeat the name, but you try to learn more about that. Suppose you are repeating Om Namah Shivaya, try to learn more about what is Shiva. Read about him, know about his glories, know about his various things, and that way your mind will develop interest. Or, as Bhagavad Gita describes God, learn more about it, as we discuss, have been discussing since last three days. So learn who is, how is Adhyatma, Adibhuta, Adhidaiva, how is everything? How is the material cause? How is the efficient cause? How is everything? How is one in spite of the apparent duality? How in, a, in spite of apparent division there is really one or non-duality? So that way, learn more and more and that is how we cultivate more and more interest. The idea is that the love gets created when I learn about the glories. When I find anything or anybody having possessing greatness, then my mind likes it and therefore learn more about the greatness of Lord and that way the mind will develop some interest in that. So abhyasa yoga the practice of repeating name or repeating a chant, <coughs> repeating a certain thought. Chetasa nanyagamina and as the mind does discover a certain joy it will want to repeat that. Ultimately, a time will come when the mind will not go anywhere. So when the mind becomes steady, you can imagine, slowly but surely. But this has to be done deliberately. It will not happen automatically. We have to do this. That means we have to set aside time every day in a routine to be able to focus our mind on a particular chant or on a particular name or whatever it is that we like which is pertaining to God. And now with a mind like that, which has attained that concentration, Anuchintyan, then I can think about the nature of God. So second line says, Paramam Purusham Divyam Yadi Partha Anuchintyan thinking or reflecting in keeping with what the, the scriptures and teachers have taught me, Paramam Purusham Divyam Yati. He attains that self-effulgent, Divyam, self-effulgent, Purusham, the person or Lord, Paramam, that is limitless. So one attains that limitless Lord who is self-effulgent, who is that very self, this is what one attains. In short, all the time thinking about the self, the Lord is nothing but my own self. Anuchintayan. And thus I think about the Lord as as unfolded by the scriptures. How, as we said, how he is the very self. He is a material cause, efficient cause, one without a second, and ultimately rasti bhaji priyam. And the rasti bhaji priyam is nothing but my own self, anuchintan. Thus, when I dwell upon the Lord, ultimately I become one with him. Paramam purusham divyam yati. 
So Lord Krishna shows you the method of becoming one with the Lord. Sarveshu Manusmara. How do we gain the ability to remember him at all the time? How do we gain the ability that other things do not overwhelm my mind? That I develop the capacity to be able to bring my mind back to the thought that I want. And for that, I must develop the samskaras of this, of association. I must develop association and, and that association should become stronger and stronger such that I'm able to then pull out my mind from its other activities and engage it here. <coughs> How do I think? How do I think about the Lord? The next verse tells us here. How do we think? Kavim Purana Manushasitaram Kavim Purana Manushasitaram Anoraniyam samanusmaredyaha Anoraniyam samanusmaredyaha Sarvasya dhātāraṁ chintya rūpam Sarvasya dhātāraṁ chintya rūpam Āditya varnam tamasaf parastād Āditya varnam tamasaf parastād Anuchintyanna, think of this Lord in a mind that has attained that kind of a single-pointedness. Who is Lord or who is God? And that God also is a self, he is Kavim, Kavi. <coughs> Kavi, Kavi means a poet, you know. Kavi means a poet. But who is a poet? A poet is the one who can see something beyond what ordinary people can see. That's what we call a poet. So the explanation of the word is Krantadarshi, one that sees beyond. One that sees beyond what the eyes meet. He is called a Kavi or a poet. So Lord is a, po- a Kavi, Krantadarshi, the one that sees what was in the past, what is in the present, what is in future. That means he is omniscient. So, God is omniscient, all-knowing, <coughs> knows everything, knows everything that is going on in my mind and that, that's going on in everybody's mind, he's a very witness of every mind and knows the past, present and future, he's omniscient, all-knowing. As I said, the creator has to be all-knowing. One who has created all must also necessarily know all. So, Kavi, Lord is Kavi or omniscient. <coughs> Purana. Purana means one who is ancient. What is ancient? Ancient means right now you must have grown very old, isn't it? What is ancient means what? The time beginningless. How old you must have been? All is beard and matted law, everything must be all touching the ground perhaps. But ancient, all right. But the word Purana is explained as Pura Eva Navam. It is as fresh or as new as before. He's ancient, all right. At the same time, the one that never stays is ever fresh, ever the same. Is ancient, at the same time, ever the same. Never changing, or ever fresh, ever new. That's why gods are always shown as young, you know. Uh, is Lord Krishna, Rama, or Lakshmi, all of them you'll see. And ever the same shows that they never age, they never go ancient, they never, they were never stale. The idea is that, the truth is that, which is ancient all right, but at the same time, ever the same, at the same time, ever new. Somebody said, look at God who is manifest as a world, he is constantly changing. You say that the God is imperishable, and how come he has become perishable? So somebody replied, no, no, he has not become perishable. It is not that he's changing. It is that he's ever new. And therefore, every moment he just manifests as something new. So, Puranam, ever fresh, ever new. <coughs> Anushasitaram. God is Anushasita. The one who is a ruler. Shasita, ruler. <coughs> Jagataha. Prashasitaram, 
So another way of looking at God, of thinking about Him is that He is Anushasita, He is a ruler. Shas means to rule. Shasita, the ruler. And so often the Upanishads describe God as a ruler. Bhishasmad vatah pavade bhishodeti surya hai bhishasmad admis chendrascha mrityur dhavade panchamahiti Hey, by his fear the wind blows. By his fear or under his command the sun rises and shines. The fire burns and the god of the rains, he sends the clouds and the rains. And even the god of death, he also runs all the time performing his duty. As he said, when you look at this creation, even such mighty forces as the wind and as the water and the, and the sun and the moon, all of them perform their duties or actions as though they are, uh, as though they are obedient servants of somebody. As though there is someone who is, st- who is standing there on their head or on their neck with a thunderbolt and as though commanding them to do things. In that sense we say that, the Lord is the ruler. <coughs> Not that he rules, this we discussed earlier. If he requires weapons to rule this creation, someday the weapons will break down, someday something will happen. Now, if he requires any effort whatever, then someday you will get exhausted. Because you make an effort and never there is some strain on you. He rules effortlessly. How can you rule effortlessly? The only way to rule effortlessly is only by the rule of love. That's all. Any other rule will always require effort and those who are ruled will always seek an opportunity when they can sneak out of the rule. But this is a rule wherein nobody needs to sneak out because they don't even feel that they are ruled. <coughs> so don't think that God, even though Lord is shown with weapons, wherever you go to a temple, you see God having all kinds of weapons. So one westerner once was traveling in India, he went to a temple of goddess, mother. So many arms, eight arms, twelve arms, with so many weapons, he was scared. He said, oh, this god must be scared. Why does, she, why does God require so many weapons? Does it have fear or what? He was taken to another temple of Lord Vishnu having four arms. He said, no, no, still, he has all this, he, he had a mace in his hand and, and he has a discus and he was taken to another temple, Lord Rama. He had only two arms. But he was still wielding the bow and the arrow. He says, no, he also seems to have fear. Why does he require a weapon? Then he was finally taken to the temple of Lord Krishna. Having flute in his head. He says, this is God. He, I am willing to call him God. He doesn't seem to have any fear at all. And so, he rules by his very presence. <coughs> From his flute, the sound that comes out is nothing but the sound of joy. And of course, his very presence is love. And that is how. But still, we call him ruler, inasmuch as everything seems to follow a certain law. And nothing has the freedom to transgress the law. In that sense, we say, he is the ruler. Anushasitaram. And therefore, we must, the ruler is almighty. Who can rule? One who is mighty. So this Anushasitaram, as a ruler, also means that he is mighty, almighty. Kavim says that he is omniscient. This one says that he is almighty or omnipotent. <coughs> All-knowing and all-powerful. How big is he? How do we know him? Anoho aniyamsam. Subtler than the subtlest. So, he is, God is subtler than the subtlest. He is grosser than the grossest, bigger than the biggest also. Because whatever it is, is him. At the same time, how is he to be known? He is to be known as subtler than the subtlest. Because he is the very cause of everything. The cause is always subtler than the effect. And Lord being the cause of even the subtlest things, he is subtler than the subtlest also. And that means that he is to be known as the very self. Anaho Aniyamsam, the very subject, which cannot be objectified. When we say subtle, something that is very difficult to objectify. Anu, anu means an atom. Anaho Aniyamsam, now who is subtler than an atom? Oh, is it an electron then or what? No, no, atom is a 
finest particle that you can think of. That is called atom. Not what they call atom, but the finest particle. In subtler than that, which means that the one that cannot be objectified. That's all it means. Who is the one that cannot be objectified? The subject can never be objectified. Anohoniyam, some, the one who is my very self, or one who is the, the, the cause of the creation. Sarvasya dhataram, dhataram, pranibhya vivaktaram, dhataram meaning the one who distributes things to all the, the living creatures, who distributes everything to the creatures according to their karma or according to their actions. Which means that he is karma faladata. He is a dispenser of the results of the actions. Oh, that means that he is, he is like a just he is like a, a, a judge that he gives you. I mean, you know, in accordance with what you are. Is a computer? Is God a computer like a machine that you perform an action, you get the result? That you violate the order and then you are violated. Is he a punisher? Says no, no. He is karma faladata, he is a dispenser of the results, all right, but his dispensing is always out of compassion. Don't tell me, Swamiji. I mean, we, I see so many people suffering, and we say that their suffering is because of their past karma. Then now God seems to be very cruel. We have to say that even the pain that comes in our life also has to be accepted only as an expression of his compassion or or. Uh, his many women. So, through that also, perhaps he wants to teach us. Maybe he wants to draw our attention to something. This we have been saying in the past also, that pain always comes to draw our attention to something, which we have either violated. When we violate something, then to draw our attention, the pain comes. When we ignore something, overlook something, something that needs our attention, and when we don't pay attention, then it comes through pain. In our life also pain comes, perhaps to draw our attention to something. And Lord also warns that we, our attention should go to Him and not to other things. So when you find that this fellow is too engrossed in all the mundane things, then he does something. You see, this Lord Narayana has four arms. In one arm he has a conch. Other arm he has a mace, gada. In third arm he has a discus chakra. And the fourth arm he has a lotus. So they explain that he blows his conch to in inviting us to him. But if he if he listen to the sound of that conch and then go towards him, that is fine. But sometimes, however, the noise of his all sense pleasures is so much that we don't hear that sound, and this fellow keeps on running toward the sense pleasures away from the Lord. Then he stretches out his arm in which he has a gada or mace. A little just taps on somebody's head. Little taps. Becomes a shock in my life. That shock is to draw my attention. I'm perhaps going in the wrong direction. And maybe I have to look elsewhere. He's trying to draw our attention. So perhaps when some shocks or something comes, maybe he's trying to draw our attention. And this is a matter of trust anyway, Shraddha. That is benevolent. It's something to be discovered. It is not very evident very often because we are not willing to accept pain. Nobody likes pain. And so pain is always looked upon as a punishment. That God is, a, is punishing. But as you said, it need not necessarily be punishment. It can be also an act of benevolence to draw my attention. And so he is benevolent. He is kind. So first is Kavihi omniscient. Anushasita, he is omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty. And Sarvasyadhata, the one who dispenses of the results in accordance to in keeping in mind their well-being. <coughs> so we don't look upon God as a computer, as merely a judge who just judges things and gives out uh, according to what everybody deserves. Rather than that, we look upon God as the one who no doubt gives out the result in accordance with the action, but the results are given in such a manner that it is for the well-being of the one to whom the results are given. Anushasidharam, Sarvasya Dhataram, 
achinte rupam one that the whose form cannot be conceived of because either he is is beyond all the forms he is all the forms no way he can be conceived by our mind so those people who say that, oh swami ji this nirguna brahman or the attributeless brahman is very is impossible for the mind to conceive of but then the brahman with the attribute also cannot be conceived because he possesses all the attributes and therefore mind cannot comprehend him mind cannot comprehend him who possesses all the attributes can you think of omniscient omnipotent and all pervasive and all powerful no way nor can we conceive or we can visualize that which is without any form and without any name and without any attribute so it's achinte rupam whose roop or the form cannot be visualized or conceived by the mind because he is a very illuminator of the mind that means that he is not to be visualized or objectified of the mind he is to be known as the very subject or the illuminator of the mind aditya varnam aditya means sun who is effulgent like sun who is self revealing who is the very self of the nature of so consciousness who is self revealing and illumining everything just as the sun illumines the whole world and similarly also the consciousness that illumines everything in the creation all forms of knowledge he is called aditya varnam he is effulgent like the sun tamasa parastat parastat beyond tamasa ignorance the one that is beyond ignorance one is of the nature of knowledge but when it is said beyond ignorance that means one who even illumines ignorance see all forms of my knowledge are also illumined by consciousness and the fact that i do not know something i know that i do not know swami ji do you, can you speak telugu i said no i cannot i don't know but i know that i do not know which means that ignorance also is illumined the one who is not opposed to ignorance also is the one that is said to be beyond ignorance in the sense that one with the nature of knowledge and unopposed to ignorance illumining ignorance and also one whom the ignorance does not touch because he is of the nature of knowledge so anuchintayan this is how one reflects upon god with a mind that is attained that single pointedness <coughs> and this is how sarveshu kaleshu when 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 does it all the time what happens in the time of death arjuna's question was prayana kale te katham gnayosi niyatatmavihi o lord how are you to be known even at the time of death by those who have who have mastered their mind and so in the 10th verse lord krishna elaborates that point <coughs> प्रयाण काले मनसा चलेन प्रयाण काले मनसा चलेन भक्त्युक्त योग बलेन चक्त योग बलेन चुवोर्मध्ये प्राणमेश्य सम्यक ध्रुवोर्मध्ये प्राणमेश्य सम्यक सतम परम पुरुषम पैति दिव्यम सतम परम पुरुषम पैति दिव्यम प्रयाण काले एट द टाइम ऑफ डेथ मनसा अचलेन विथ अ स्टडी माइंड अचलेन द माइंड दैट डज नॉट स्वर्व द माइंड दैट इज स्टडी भक्त्युक्त एंड ऑफ विथ भक्ति ऑफ द डिवोशन ऑफ द लव योग बले ने च युक्त है एंड ऑल्सो दजेस्ट ऑफ द स्ट्रेंथ गेन बाय योगा वॉट इज योगा वॉट वॉज डिस्क्राइब इन अर्लियर वर्ड दिस कॉन्स्टेंट प्रैक्टिस ऑफ फोकसिंग माई माइंड अपॉन गॉड दैट इज कॉल अभ्यास योगा द माइंड रन सवे आई ब्रिंग इट बैक इट गैस डिविएटेड आई ब्रिंग इट बैक एंड इन सो and stronger than other kinds of habits that i have see mind has a habit of running away because it is habitually certain patterns of thinking have been have been sort of uh, embedded in the mind 
but slowly and slowly I establish a new pattern of thinking about God and we we do it actually this kind of abhyasa we constantly keep on doing for example I have I have the abhyas or the constant habit of taking the body to be myself and so no effort is to be made now to to say that I am the body. Suppose similarly I do the abhyasa that I am I am the self that is self-effulgent, kavihi, puranaha, anushasita as it is described. Suppose I, I keep on doing that abhyasa constantly. We can conceive of a situation when that habit becomes more powerful than any other habit. In that case, the mind will remain focused on that thought without being swerved. So, imagine this practice of focusing the mind and doing it for so long with such commitment and with such enthusiasm, then that becomes just a habit of the mind to do it Therefore it is said, manasa achalayana, by a mind that is not swerving. Because of the strength, so yoga balayana seva, because of the strength or the samskara that again, by the practice of yoga, by the practice of focusing my mind. Bhrohar madhye pranamavesya samyak, now this is the, Lord Krishna is describing the last moment of this yogi. Who is this yogi? Who has gained such a mastery over his mind and such a mastery over his own self that he can in fact depart from his body at his will. Imagine someone who has done that. Yogi. Bhrohar madhye pranamavesya samyak Placing the breath properly between the eyebrows Bhroho madhye between the two eyebrows Pranam Avesha Samyak, concentrating his mind or focusing his attention in between the two eyebrows. Thus he thinks, Kavim Puranam Anushasitaram, all along, with this kind of a concentrated mind, he thinks of the Lord. <coughs> and when he thus departs, Satam Param Purusham Upayadivyam, he attains that limitless, effulgent person. So he attains that effulgent limitless Lord with whom he is totally now he is totally identified or with whom in whom he is totally immersed. <coughs> so Lord Krishna in this chapter describes the practice of yoga. Yoga yukso prayana kaleja katham nyayasi niyatatma bihi how O Lord are you to be known at the time of death by those who have gained a control over the mind. So how to gain the control of the mind by the practice of abhyasa, by making the mind repeatedly thinking of that which I wanted to think, and with a certain love, with certain enthusiasm, and doing it for a length of time. Yoga Shastra tells us that in order to be able to focus our mind or concentrate the mind, three things are required. So, first of all, Dirgakala. For a long time we should practice. Nairantaryam, constantly we should do. Adarena, and with enthusiasm or love we should do. Commitment we should do. Thus, do that for a long time, do it constantly, and do it with commitment. This is how, when the yogi is doing for great length of time, ultimately, mind just becomes focused upon that without any effort. And when it, that is where, how, even in a time of death also, he has a remembrance, the la, is a thought, is nothing but the thought of the Lord. And therefore when he departs that way, he becomes one with the Lord. <coughs> Lord Krishna is going to tell us other way also, but this is one way. Everybody becomes very nervous whenever they, they, they hear about this thing, you know, so, ah, it's impossible, we cannot do that. But we can do that, even if we cannot do it by the practice of yoga. There are other ways of doing it also by what we call devotion and which is what Lord Krishna is subsequently going to describe here. By the time he is talking about the yogis. <coughs> and now Lord Krishna also wants to say, what is the name that he should utter? 
Here Lord Krishna also is prescribing a name of the Lord which is found to be most effective. And Lord Krishna will say it is Omkara, Omar Pranava. And for saying that in the eleventh verse here the background is being told us uh, glorifying glorifying that Omkara and glorifying Lord also who is to be remembered by Omkara. And so the eleventh verse says Yadaksharam Veda Vido Vadanti Yadaksharam Veda Vido Vadanti Vishanti Yad Yatayo Vita Ragaha Vishanti Yad Yatayo Vita Ragaha Yadichanto Brahmacharyam Charanti Yadichanto Brahmacharyam Charanti Tate Padam Sangrahena Pravakshe Tate Padam Sangrahena Pravakshe Lord Krishna says, now I am going to describe to you that Brahman. What is that? Which is what is the nature of that Brahman? How is that Brahman? Yet Aksharam Veda Vido Vadanti. Aksharam, you know, Aksharam means that which is immutable, imperishable. Naksharadi Idi Aksharam, which we have talked about. Aksharam Brahma Paramam. That Aksharam is immutable Brahman. Yet Veda Vido Vadanti. So that Aksharam is that which the knowers of the Veda talk about. Tadvaita Daksharam Gargi Brahmana Avivadanti Asthulam Ananam Akhraswam Adirgham This is how the Veda Vida The knowers of the Veda they talk about that Brahman Like say Jagnyavakya telling Gargi Hey Gargi The knowers of Brahman describe Brahman like this Asthulam Ananam by, by negating all kinds of attributes in Brahman that is Brahman, ultimately, is the nature. Brahman of the self is that which is devoid of every attribute. Is he law? Who am I? So what's the true nature of I? Am I tall? No. Nothing. Am I short? No. Am I fat? No. Am I lean? No. Am I man? No. Is that I woman? No. Is that I successful? No. Is that I a failure? Is that any kind of an attribute upon the I is negated. Presently I think of the I or myself as what? Possessed of different kinds of attributes. Then Upanishad says, no, the true nature of I is that which is without any attribute. And so, neti neti, not this, not this. Yatat adreshyam agrahyam agotram avarnam achakshashrotram that which cannot be perceived, that which cannot be grasped, that which is without eyes and ears, that which is without hands and legs, that which is without the mind, without the form, in this manner, that which is beyond all the attributes is being unfolded by the scriptures by, by negating all the attributes in that. Hey Arjuna, it is that Brahman, the immutable, that is beyond all the attributes or devoid of all the attributes, it is in and through every attribute, but itself free from every attribute. And that is how the knowers of the Veda describe it. So this is how the Vidwan, the wise people talk. But that is all right, they say that. But has anybody now known it? It's one thing to say that Brahman is this, that, but oh, that's all right. Can it ever become the object of my immediate knowledge or perception? It says, yes. Vishandiyat yatayo vitaragaha. Yataya, the renunciates. Yataya means the, this, the people who strive. Vishanti, those who enter, that means those who know this Brahman as their own self. So what kind of sages know him? Vitaragaha, those who have become free from desires. <coughs> so what's the kind of mind that is required in order to know Brahman, that is my own self? Who are the yatis? Yatayaha meaning the sages or the seekers, the ascetics. That means those people of self-discipline all the time striving. Yatayaha means yatna shilaha, those who are constantly striving. They know this Brahman is the very self. With what kind of mind? Vitaragaha. When their mind has become free from 
all raga, all attachments and aversions. So with a mind that is free from all attachments and aversions, those dhyatayaha, those seekers or the sages, know that Brahman is the very self. It is not that it is merely of academic interest that there is Brahman, there is God, and that he is devoid of all the attributes, is not something of just academic interest, but that which is known as the very self by, by the yatis or by the sages, who have cultivated a mind that has become free from all the attachments and aversions. Because they are the things that actually distract the mind. And to the extent that the mind becomes free from attachments and aversions, to that extent the mind becomes quieter and quieter. When it becomes totally free from that, it becomes totally tranquil. In that mind, these yatis know that Brahman is a very self. That may be so. Maybe some people knew it. Can we ever know it? Yes, yes. Yadichanto Brahmacharyam Charanti. Desire in which they follow a life of study and discipline. How do we become like that? Yadichantaha. Desiring with Brahman. Brahmacharyam Charanti. They follow a life of Brahmacharya. What is Brahmacharya? Brahmacharya here means living with a teacher gaining knowledge studying with a teacher so with a life of study and discipline brahmachari involves both so brahmachari involves discipline as well as brahmachari involves the study of the scriptures so desiring to know which brahman there are any number of seekers who have committed themselves to a life of study and discipline and thus in course of time attain a mind that is free from all likes and dislikes and in Shravanam, listening to the scriptures, Mananam, reflection upon them, there is Dhyasana with a deep concentration. Vishanti, they and they know Brahman as their own self. Yadichanto Brahmacharyam Charanti. So this is how Lord Krishna here builds a background. How glorious this is. Hey Arjuna, you know that Brahman, that about which the Norse Veda talk, that which the sages, having a mind free from the passion, so they know that which as their own self, and desiring which the seekers live a life of brahmacharya. Brahmacharya also means celibacy. But brahmacharya primarily means study of the Brahma the Vedas. That's called brahmacharya. But in as much as a brahmacharya student always lived with the teacher while studying the Vedas, and there they lived a life of celibacy. Then they enter the life of householder. After they have completed the study, then after gaining the, uh, the certificate, he comes home and then enters the life of a householder. But at the time of studying, he is a brahmachari or a celibate. So brahmachari also means celibacy. That is what is meant here by discipline. And so living a life of study and discipline, those who know, tattepadam, Hey Arjuna, it is that which I will tell you briefly. So, now Lord Krishna says that I will now tell you briefly about that Padam. What is Padam? Padam is Padaniyam, that which is to be attained or that which is worth attaining. So that which is to be worth attaining, that Pada, that very abode or that very goal in your, or destination in your life, the very goal in your life about that, I will speak to you <coughs> so now Lord Krishna will talk about the beginning was made with Brahman again Lord Krishna will talk about Brahman in next couple of verses again he will talk about Brahman in two stages we will talk about Brahman as Omkara and Brahman as Param Brahma that is the style that is followed in the Upanishads this is the style also that Lord Krishna follows so in two stages we will be told about that and with that we'll continue. Okay. <coughs> Om Puranamada Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande 